Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw on Feral Audio. I am your host. I am still Joseph Scrimshaw. This week's podcast is going to rock hard because it is all about the band known as Van Halen. Van Halen is, of course, famous for having multiple lead singers, so I tried to arrange to have myself suddenly replaced as the host of the podcast in the middle of the show, but sadly, Sammy Hagar was not available. But this week's guest truly, deeply loves Van Halen. My guest is a great comedian, a regular at the Comedy Store, in one half of the Schmoes No movie show Empire, Mr. Mark Ellis. As always, you'll also hear our co-producer Sarah Meyer interviewing random human beings around Los Angeles and seeing how they feel about Van Halen. Do they know them? Do they like them? Did they conceive a child while listening to them? Are they willing to sing the entirety of Jump in the Middle of the Venice Boardwalk? We will find out. But before we dive deep into the history of the rock band Van Halen, we wanted to tell you about another Van Halen. I mean, look, the podcast is called Obsessed, and sometimes our co-producer Sarah gets obsessed with historical facts. So she scoured the entire collection of human knowledge and dick pics known as the internet and did indeed find another Van Halen. Nope. Not the Van Halen from Earth 2 that features two sisters who play light jazz using only trombones and triangles. No, this is an actual historical person. An actual human man with the unbelievable name Lieutenant Colonel Don Juan Van Halen. And I bet you're thinking, hey, that's a cool name, but I bet he didn't do anything cool, right? Wrong! So very, very wrong. Lieutenant Colonel Don Juan Van Halen was captured by, and escaped from, the Spanish fucking Inquisition. Rock was not yet invented, and yet somehow he was running with the devil way back in 1818. Now to make sure you don't think we're making this up, here are the two historical texts that Sarah got this information from. The first one is called... A Historical Sketch of the Principal Political and Military Events Produced by the Revolution of Spain by M. Louis Julian, published in 1821, excerpted by the Maryland Gazette in 1825. And the second one is the autobiography of Van Halen himself, which is titled, and again, I am not making this up, The Adventures of Colonel Juan Van Halen in Spain and Russia, written by himself, including his imprisonment in the Inquisition at Madrid, his escape, his journey to Moscow, his campaign with the Army of the Caucasus, and his return to Spain. Look, lately I've been mad at movie trailers that give away the whole story, but they have nothing on Don Juan Van Halen, who included his whole book in the goddamn title. Anyway, here's the story of Don Juan Van Halen. The Spanish Inquisition was, of course... A bummer. The church decided, hey, people should be Catholic. Let's capture and torture people and see if they'll confess to not being Catholic, and then they'll really be in trouble. Then along comes strapping young Don Juan Van Halen, who says, this is bullshit. He lights a joint and throws the devil horns. That part's not historically accurate. The Inquisition's warrant for his arrest described him as 29 or 30 years of age, 5 feet and 6 inches, regularly formed and well-proportioned, eyes bright with an expression of pride, of a restless and violent disposition, full and well-formed face, complexion white mingled with red, nose 
more than regular. So he was sort of a violent, sexy young guy whose nose was already red from drinking. He was so rock and roll. This young rocker joined a bunch of secret societies that opposed the Inquisition, but apparently they weren't secret enough because the Inquisition found and captured Van Halen and then threw him in, quote, the most obscure dungeon. It's not enough that these guys were violent religious zealots, they were also hipsters. After making fun of Van Halen because he hadn't even heard of this dungeon, they tortured him a lot, focusing for some reason on his right arm, maybe trying to damage it enough so he could not pick up a lute in perfect finger-tapping decades before Eddie Van Halen did. For a brief time, Van Halen convinced them to let him go hug it out with the king himself. The king gave him some Cuban cigars, they had a brief bromance, and then Van Halen was back in his cell, where he would have just withered and died if the real hero of the story didn't show up, a young girl named Ramona who worked in the dungeon. She befriended Van Halen, and together they realized what they needed to escape was the world's greatest weapon, a pencil and some paper. Again, this is a true story, not my spec script for a feel-good Pixar movie called Freeing Van Halen. Van Halen then wrote to his friends planning his escape. Ramona delivered the letters and visited Van Halen often. She helped him memorize the path through the dark, twisting dungeon like a hipster helping you memorize the chord progression of every obscure, unreleased vampire weekend song. Then, Van Halen pretended to be sick, the guard opened the door, and Van Halen knocked him out. This meant not only had Van Halen escaped, he had invented a dumb action movie and TV show trope. He also told the guard, hey, you look like shit, and waved an allegedly full coffee cup around like there was nothing in it. Maddening. Van Halen then made his way out of the dungeon as the jailers searched for him. They couldn't find him because they got lost in the darkness of their own prison and then apparently got knocked out as a result of being beat over the head with irony. Thanks to the power of paper and pencil, Van Halen's friends were waiting outside. They whisked him away to Madrid, then he escaped to Portugal, then went to Russia and joined the army for some reason. And finally, he and his wife, who he apparently met, but I didn't get that part of the autobiography, or he didn't include it like an asshole, retired to New York City, where they entertained people at cocktail parties with casual banter that probably began with, Hey, you guys ever heard of the Spanish Inquisition? And finally, we have no idea what happened to Ramona because history writers are jerks. Anyway, enough about Van Halen. Let's talk briefly about me. If you enjoy Obsessed Podcasts, you can support us by becoming a backer on Patreon for as little as one buck a month. Full info is on patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Or you can support all of the artists on the Feral Audio Podcast Collective by shopping at Amazon through our portal. Just go to feralaudio.com, click the Support Our Artist button, and go buy anything on Amazon, and some of the money will go to supporting Feral Audio doesn't even matter what you buy on Amazon. This week, I'm recommending you go to Amazon and buy Van Halen's entire discography and the Eddie Van Halen branded high top sneakers for all your running with the devil needs. And last but not least, shows. I do shows. I've got a bunch of stand-up and comedy talking shows in LA, live obsessed podcast recordings, and convention appearances all coming up soon. For tickets and full info on all my shows, go to josephscrimshaw.com slash live dash shows. But now, sit back, pop open a can of your favorite beer, and get ready to rock out to Mark Ellis's obsession with Van Halen. 
Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome human being, Mark Ellis. How you doing? <laughs> I am thrilled to be here, Joseph, for a number of reasons. Like, I would show up to talk about this band with anybody. I mean, I'd, I'd hang yeah. out with Stalin if I meant I could talk <laughs> about this particular band. But the fact that it's you, Aww. somebody I know and respect, it just it ups it a notch for me. Oh, so. that, that really means a lot. Yeah, I appreciate this is, that. This is going to be awesome. And it's been a while since I got to gush about this particular band. I mean, I always, I, I'm always listening to them, but right. you know, I have a girlfriend now. I'm busier on the road and doing various yeah. jobs on, you know, TV and internet and stuff. And it's great. It's all great in your career, but sometimes you just need to talk about what got you here in the first place. Yeah, you know? and you are like, I mean this in a positive way. You are a professional gusher. Like uh, you get uh, yeah. to talk about stuff a lot. I get to gush about things that I do love, like yeah. uh, like Star Wars and you know and action movies and yeah. and all these varied stand up, you know. But there's just something about um, I I don't know what it is, and I was trying to quantify on the way over here. I still don't know what necessarily the one thing is that makes this stick in my heart more so, okay, than anything else. And it's actually a good debate between this and Star Wars as to if I could only have one in my life. Which, Which one would, it would be? I take? Okay, well, I'm yeah, going to try to so. dig into your heart. Get in there, buddy. The I hour. want you to <laughs> Temple of Doom me, sir. I am. I'm going to pull it out. I'm going <laughs> to crawl into the ventricles. Uh, so let's start just by telling people who are listening who you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Mark Ellis. I am a comedian, um, and I also do movie reviews uh, for my channel Schmoes No, which you can find on YouTube. And I started out... On the East Coast, uh, my family is from up north, but I am a Southerner. I was okay. born in North Carolina. Air Force brat. Old man was a doctor in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. Like every two years, they like to play white trash, connect the dots. So, <laughs> you know, you start out in North Carolina, then you go to Panama City, then you go to Fairfield, then you go to Columbia, then we ended up in, uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia. Okay. A, a great place to grow up. Not the cultural epicenter it was in the 1600s, but <laughs> it still is a cool place for a kid to kind of learn the ropes. Okay, you know? so like how old were you when you got there? Were you like junior high, high school? I was fourth grade. Okay. Yeah, my dad was able to get out of the Air Force and then go into private practice. And he, we originally thought we were going to go into practice in uh, in Maryland. And then they just found this opportunity in Williamsburg that they could not pass up. Okay. And they sold us on it because when we went there, we didn't want to see any of the old colonial Williamsburg stuff. We went to Bush Gardens. And Bush okay. Gardens was like, I rode one roller coaster. And I was like, yeah, okay, we can move here for the rest <laughs> of my time. So, And we stayed there. My mom still lives there to this day. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about your obsession, Van Halen. And yes. it does help to know like where you are and that you set down roots probably by the time you discovered Van Halen. Like I, you had other pals who might listen to Van Halen with you? I did, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because my family was and still is very tight that you, you drive around. And when you move around a lot, you know, you're in the car constantly. You're always on a road trip yeah. or you're always doing something as a family. So our family band was the Beatles. And by the time you start to get into school and talk with other kids about what they're into and what they're listening to... I was very regressed in that nature because other kids are talking about like the Beastie Boys or, you know, ABC or something like that, Bobby Brown. And I'm like, no, you guys don't like the, you guys don't listen to the Beatles. Like, that's all I listen to. And then I. Uh, Did they give you shit for liking the Beatles? It, it's hard to say they gave me shit, but it's like, it would have been nice if I was up to date 
in the late 80s, early, I was born in 1980, so, okay. so the late 80s, early 90s, which, by the way, is a time when Van Halen was just kind of coasting off their success, still putting out great material, yeah. but it wasn't like this new band that everybody loved. They were already around for a while. So I got into grunge, and then I started to catch up, and my older sister took me to a lot of great concerts of bands that were in their heyday. Like, like I got to see Nirvana. I got okay, to see cool. uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Screaming Tree, Spin Doctor, Soul Asylum, great bands like that. And then, for whatever reason, as I got into high school, my taste started to go backwards into more classic rock. And then I settled on Van Halen twice in my life. When I was in sixth grade, <laughs> I wore out the, the tape to 1984. There was okay. something about the jump was the first hook that got me yeah. with Van Halen. It just sounded so cool. And like when you're a kid, it just sounded something about that keyboard, even though the synthesizer was such a staple of the 80s, it sounded futuristic. To so me. what year is this then? Early 90s by this, this point? This would be early 90s. You're... This would be 91, 92. Um, and did Soundgarden do something to hurt you or offend you? Or are you like, I'm going to look backward for my musical bliss? It was not Soundgarden. <laughs> I, you know what's interesting? It might have actually been the Nirvana show that okay. I saw. It was three months before Kurt Cobain died. And oh, wow. is, so they were touring on In Utero, and which is a fine album. I've come to appreciate it more. And watching them play live at William Mary Hall, there was just, you know, Grohl was going crazy on the drums. And, yeah. you know, Nova Selleck's there and Kurt Cobain's there. And for whatever reason, that band just, they didn't seem into it that night. Okay. It seemed like a gig that's just another stop on the tour. And maybe that informs some of the way they do stand-up. It informed the way that I appreciate other artists is that I want you to act like you want to be there. Right. You want to put on a show. Yeah. You're performing for an audience. Right. Like, even when you're just on, like, YouTube talking, you're performing for an audience. Yeah. You, you, you want to know that – you want to let them know that you appreciate them coming out. And that yeah. was always my complaint with a lot of grunge bands. It's like, I, I, I get what you're doing. Yeah. I get that you are the polar opposite of what hair metal became in the late 80s. But – you still have to remember that there's people that work very, very hard or they're they're saving up their allowance or they're, they're mowing lawns to go buy your CD. Yeah. So how about you act like you give a shit? Yeah. You know? And that's always been my my point of contention with those era bands, most of them anyway. Mm -hmm. And then when you put on the jump video, because it was still in regular circulation on MTV and stuff, yeah. you watch that video and it's like these guys are having a blast <laughs> and they're letting us in on okay. all this goofy fun that they're having. Okay. So you came at them from a an appreciation of being loud and bright and having fun, not from any sort of like they're so metal, they're they capturing the angst of my soul. No, it, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't okay. the the hard rock uh, aspect of it to begin with. And then as I got older, I I really appreciated the the uh, the technical wizardry of Eddie Van Halen. Okay, and and I marveled at that. By the time you got into their second lead singer change which was Hagar leaving the band. And then they brought in Gary Sharon. It's like, okay, that's fine. Van Halen's a really good band. I like them. And then something else happened when I was in college. And I'll never forget it. I went to summer school um, my first year after I was a freshman at Wake Forest. So in between freshman and sophomore year. And it's a very lonely time because <laughs> there's it's just me and basketball players okay. there. And so, you know, I, I got my grades that I needed to get to make up for the failures i had as a <laughs> freshman during the regular season and then i'm driving home and it's about a four-hour drive and i had the disc man with the you know tape the plugs in and i had van halen's uh, greatest hits their okay. best of volume one and i put it in 
and Run With The Devil comes on and I'm like, why don't I listen to this band more often? And I was lost. I couldn't find, you know, I was lost on the map. I couldn't find it. And I didn't care anymore. I was okay. just driving around <laughs> in the wilds between North Carolina and Virginia, crushing it, listening to Van Halen at the top of the speaker volume. Okay. And it was like, this is my band from here on out. And it's been an obsession ever since. So what, did something happen in the woods? This is mythic, like Robert Johnson going to the crossroads. <laughs> did like... Did the ghost I, of Van Halen come to you in those woods? Lost? I sold my soul to Goatman. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but it was, it's just something about the way that when you put on a Van Halen song, even if you could put on another song from a hard rock band of that era, you know, you could put yeah. on a, a GNR song and it's great and it's great music, but there's something about the way that Van Halen comes out of the speakers and into my body through my pores and gets into my heart, which you're ripping yeah. out in this podcast. <laughs> it's just, it just hits me in a certain way that it just seems like the epitome of what hard rock was always meant to be. Okay. Does it make you happy? Is that the connection was? Like when you were driving, you were lost, like a little metaphorically in your college days <laughs> and then literally lost in the woods. <laughs> and they're like, but now I am found because of Van Halen and made because of happiness? It's pure happiness. Okay. I mean, I mean I've mean, i always said that Van Halen sounds like if, if you're if you're able to, to crack open a, a, a nice cold beer and you put it up to your ear, you'd hear Panama coming out of it. Okay. Like they, they just seem like the they're more than a great party band, but that is a huge hook for me. Right. It is, it's just pure. It, if fun had a soundtrack, the term fun had a soundtrack, it would be Van Halen. Okay. That makes a lot of sense to me because on the on the other sides of them, kind of timeline-wise, but I think more aesthetic-wise, you have like Guns N' Roses mm -hmm. and Metallica, who I think their general message is, fuck you, right. which is why a lot of people like them. I'm a huge Guns N' Roses guy, and it was because... That I needed someone to help me express my anger at the world, and Guns N' Roses did Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. And then the other side, like you said, you got grunge, which is like, I'm, I put on flannel, and yeah. I don't really care that you came to my huge yeah. stadium concert. Fine, whatever. fine, I'll play for these people <laughs> that wanted to come see you. Yeah, so between, caught between fuck you and whatever, you have Van Halen saying, let's have a beer! That's exactly <laughs> what it was. And when you okay. look at when that band came out in 1978, it's like there were so many things going on in music that were very divisive. I mean, you had disco, you had yeah. singer-songwriters, you had a punk rock coming into the forefront. And then all of a sudden you had this band that came, it, it kind of reminded everybody, and it still does to this day for me, like what we play music for in the first place. That yes, you can make a huge political statement if you want to. You can talk about something very touching and deep and emotional. But you can also just like party and incorporate little elements of all that stuff. Their earlier stuff is a little bit more like heavy. Does that, yeah, do you like that or do you gravitate more to like jump in Panama and uh, more I, fun based stuff? I mean, if, if I had to, if I had to pick one era of Van Halen to go home with or my desert island era of Van okay. Halen, <laughs> I've always said that the Roth era wins out over the Hagar era for me. Okay. But it would it would go to the wire. It'd be like if it's a if it's a sporting event, it goes into overtime. Okay. <laughs> but with Roth, the early stuff to me was just such a signal of a different era being ushered in and a band coming in taking the world of music by force. Okay. And so that first album to me, Van Halen One, is the one album I would take. Oh wow! Okay, you listen to it, and the first track when you hear "Running with the Devil," it's like, oh, this—that's just a great hard rock song, right? Yeah. Bar none. Then you hear "Eruption," and it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then you hear "You Really Got Me," which is a remake of the Kinks tune from 15 years before that, and then it starts to kick, and it's like, oh, this band is reinventing what rock and roll is. Okay. You know? I mean, even Ray Davies, who was the guitarist from the Kinks, who came up with that amazing riff. I still think it's the best riff yeah. in rock and roll history. 
just so basic and primal and sexual. He's like, I heard what Eddie Van Halen did with that riff. And I'm like, <laughs> he turned a cool song and turned it into a jet engine. Yeah. And that thing today, it's just so guttural, just deep and ripping. It just sounds amazing. And then from then on, the album just flies. I mean, there's so many great cuts that they still play on the radio from that album. Okay. And I think that signals everything that I would want Van Halen to showcase. If, if Aliens came down and they said, give us your best hard rock band of all time. I'd have a lot of confidence putting Guns N' Roses up there. Yeah. But if it's like one show, we got to go up there and we got to crush it. <laughs> I know that Van Halen's going to deliver if you give me the early era of Van Halen. Okay. I can't personally as a human agree with that, <laughs> but I respect it. It's <laughs> it's really funny. Because you and I are both going to be nervous when the aliens ask us. Because yeah. if you put Guns N' Roses up there, you're like, God, I hope Axel shows up on time. Yeah. <laughs> and me, it's like, I hope Eddie and Dave have different dressing rooms. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just, can they just, get along? Just, just meet on yeah. stage and then you guys are going to be fine. Yeah. Because now we know Axel and Slash can get along. At least, I hope, right. for long enough. Right. Well, I mean, Axel's still <laughs> confined to the chair at the recording this podcast. So once you yeah. get up and move around, look out. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't actually fight right now. I, so he has to be on his best behavior. I love that Game of Thrones chair, though. Yeah, it's, I, I think awesome. he's faking the injury just so he can sit on a throne. <laughs> And just bathe in it. Just he can look over and slash me. Go, oh, you got to stand up, loser. Look at me. I gotta see what he's doing because I saw him in concert about four years ago uh, before he reunited with Slash and everybody. Right. And he does this thing now where he runs off stage during solos. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him interviewed about it, and he's like, ah, you know, I used to dance around, but now I just kind of feel like, eh, let people look at a guitar player. <laughs> so now I'm wondering if like if he's like, yeah, and then just rolling off in his throne off right. stage, or if he's just staying there and rocking out during long solos. Our lead singers have had an amazingly similar history when you break down certain elements, where they were in this great, phenomenal, world-class, biggest band in the world. Yeah. And then when they became solo artists, they they got to the point where they risked lampooning themselves mm-hmm. and their image every time they went on stage. Like David Lee Roth, when he's still going out with the long platinum hair, and it's like, dude, you got to give this up. And <laughs> Axel, when he's going up with the Dread Rocks, and the, who wears yeah. a Jerry Rice jersey when he was with the Raiders? Who ever does that? <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, they get back in the band that made them so special in the first place, and it's like, oh, no, they still have it when they really commit to it. And they, they care about the craft again. They're not right. just there for the show. They're there for the music. Axel sounds phenomenal. He's great. On this tour. And with ACDC, he sounds great. Yeah, yeah. He sounds amazing. Now, I wanted to ask you, are you a musician? Do you play? I have no musical ability <laughs> whatsoever. It's funny, though, because everybody else in my family are, are phenomenal musicians. Yeah. Like, like my, my dad was a guitar player and a singer in his band around uh, Maryland in the late 60s called The Midnight Sun. Okay. Um, they have a couple, you know, call it the smaller claims to fame, but uh, that my mom is a great piano player. My sister can play the piano and guitar. My brother plays everything. Okay. He has uh, released an album. He records music for video games is, oh, is awesome. his occupation. So he's a genius composer, and I'm just the idiot emceeing the family band show. Okay, you so y- do you feel like you have it in your DNA or... It's and in there, and I've never made it a priority. Or is it that this is a weird DNA fluke? Like if you had green eyes and the rest of your family had brown eyes, it's like I didn't get the music. It's in there somewhere because I have an intrinsic understanding of music and how it works. Okay. I, I might know the most about the guitar ever for somebody who has no idea how to play it. Okay, but there's something about timing and rhythm that I never. Because I, I try to play drums, okay. and I was okay for a little bit, but there's just something about the timing and rhythm that I never was able to lock down. You know, in a in a comedic sense, I think I can lock down the timing of that okay. But that's a totally different rhythm. 
rhythm than something that is particularly being a drummer for a band yeah. and being the rock and being the metronome everybody else relies on. So yeah. I think I would have been better as a guitar player, but I also just have a really stubby sausage cocktail like <laughs> finger. So it's not going to end up well for me. If Van Halen came to you and said, will you open for us with a comedy set? Would you open for them? In a heartbeat. This is not a situation where I never want to be in a Star Wars movie because I'd be afraid of ruining it. Yeah. I need to open for Van Halen okay. at some point. And I think I'd do very well. I think with that audience, I think I'd know how to relate to them. Um, yeah. And, I, and now it's like you brought that up. And I'm like, oh, if anybody's listening, I'm totally available wherever you guys want. But yeah, it would definitely be something that uh, that I welcome. And I actually got to perform... Uh, in front of David Lee Roth one time. Oh, awesome! At the uh, the comedy store. Yeah, it was just like the the open mic potluck show. He happened to be around. I knew he was in the crowd, so I used my whatever clout I would have at the time, and I popped in, went up next, and uh, I just knew knowing David Lee Roth was in the crowd uh, was just a really really cool feeling. Did you acknowledge him? I didn't acknowledge him on stage, but I got a chance to talk to him off stage. Okay, and he is exactly what you think David Lee Roth would be and what you want David Lee Roth to be, which is that drunk uncle at the family barbecue just telling stories way too loud, laughing, looking you in the eye when he's laughing, so yeah. you laugh along with it, even yeah. though you have no idea what he's talking about. And after 20 minutes, you're like, hey, does anybody else want to stand next to this guy? Yeah. But he, I was actually wearing a Van Halen hat because I just had it on that day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he's, he's literally talking to me for 15 minutes nonstop about whatever. And then he looks up in my hat and he's like, oh, hey, you're having a real good time right now, aren't you? <laughs> I started laughing. That's nice. And that was the December before they announced that they were getting back together. That okay. He was going to be the lead singer of Van Halen again in uh, 2007 is when they went on tour. That's pretty cool. Like now, I know the comedy yeah. story is like it's on the Sunset Strip, and yeah. it has a relationship to rock and roll because it's right there. But oh, it's still absolutely. funny to me that like David Lee Roth, like man, I need to fuck something up tonight. I to, <laughs> I'm gonna go see uh, some comedy. An open mic would be best. That's yeah. right. That's right. He's he's popped by a number of times, yeah. and I, I think he just likes the. I think a lot of rock stars like hanging out with comics. And vice versa, because it's some level of performance, but it's also, yeah. let's face it, every rock star, particularly lead singers, think they are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Because you can just walk on stage to say anything when you have 20,000 fans that love you. Yeah. You know, hey, look at this guy. And they just... <laughs> and Comedy then, must be easy. Right. Yeah. And, and then comedians are like, oh, well, I, I just want to be a rock star. Like, it's there's something about being a singular artist that makes you want to be in a band. Yeah. And something about being in a band that makes you just want to be like, screw these guys. I just want to be on stage by myself. Yeah, so. absolutely. So opening for that makes sense if they invited you to come on stage and just play cowbell would you do that uh did you i i would nail the opening to dance the night away <laughs> now that's where the rhythm would lead me though i could do that i could do that yeah. but but when you listen to dance the night away there's cowbell throughout the song it goes so crazy yeah. i would have to put the cowbell down <laughs> and let will ferrell take over like i i would not be able to continue playing in time right. with everybody but that opening yeah. i think for one magical night yeah i would screw it up that. half the tour if you give me 40 shows i'm fucking it up 25 shows okay but that first show that i get to do it i'm gonna knock it you out gonna nail it yeah. nice nice according to wikipedia i asked people about wikipedia because i do my <laughs> research there and i was shocked to find out yeah. the number of different names that this band has had before oh, they settled man. in van halen and none of them are nearly as good as van uh, halen. some of them, the broken combs mm -hmm. The Trojan Rubber Company. Yep. Fair enough. Genesis. <laughs> Mammoth. And uh, I read on there that somebody suggested they be Daddy Longlegs instead of Van Halen. Daddy Longlegs was, I believe, uh, Gene Simmons's recommendation okay. for them. Because Gene Simmons produced their first demo. So, like, you hear Running With The Devil now, and you hear, I think, Talking About Love, Atomic Punk might have been on there. 
And there was a six-song demo that Gene Simmons had produced the year before. And they shopped it around. He flew the band out to New York, and they recorded it, and they shopped it around everywhere, and no record label liked enough to buy it. And by the way, it's not only them listening to this band. It's also them getting handed to them from Gene Simmons, the lead singer of the hottest band in the world at that time, Kiss, and the record label still said no. Right. It's so that goes to your argument it. of how new it probably sounded. So new and fresh and whatever. I mean, and, and it's, it's what's great is everybody should treat themselves. Read the review of Van Halen 1 that Rolling Stone had the when it came out in that issue. And they talk about how, okay, look, this is good for right now. But in a year from now, Van Halen is going to be fat and bloated and past their prime. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, they got a hotshot guitar player. But it's them trying their best to not bow down to the majesty that is Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing in particular. Um, Interesting. And and, and yeah, and then the other one that's not uh, in that list that you just mentioned was Rat Salad. They were going to call themselves Rat Salad. And I think it was Rat Salad was the band that somebody suggested probably when they were hammered, because that happened to Van Halen a lot. And David Lee Roth, of all people, is the one that spoke up. And he's like, you know what? Van Halen sounds so heavy. Let's just call the band Van Halen, which is amazing. A guy who loves himself as much that as David much. Lee Roth to say Van Halen sounds great. Yeah. So obviously you love the music. It speaks to you musically and powerfully. But this is cool that you also have encyclopedic knowledge. Yeah, um, I, um, I, I, in, and it was never a conscious effort where it's like I need to sit down and know everything about this band. It's just, it, it it's just so many nights and days of driving around, listening to the radio, gathering little tidbits from the intro okay. and outro, from reading a lot of interviews, a lot of time on the toilet reading Van Halen biographies. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that the the great uh, lesson that some higher race is going to learn about humans, I don't know how they're going to be able to decipher it, is that when we really want to store knowledge, we can. Yes. And it's not always the knowledge that we should be storing. You know, like, like you can ask me, today's my girlfriend's birthday as we're recording this. Yeah. And I'm glad I remembered it, but I didn't kick out any of the Van Halen knowledge. I didn't kick <laughs> out any of the Super Bowl knowledge I know. It's just some other thing that I probably needed to remember from school that is now out of my gray matter in favor of knowing all of these random facts about my favorite band. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not a brain scientist, but <laughs> I, for me, it's when you think about it is how I retain it, is only if I think about it. And right. when I realize how much just like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. stuff i know or like i'm a pretty big james bond fan or other little factoids like that i realize it's because i run them around in my head when i don't even realize that i'm doing it it's just there it's just something that, that exists there and like i could you could give me all the and i'm not a pot smoker you give me all the pot in the world to smoke you could give me all the the brain cell killing ipas i could yeah. chug and at the end of the day all i'm gonna remember is the van halen trivia i think that's Totally appropriate that no amount of pot can drive this information about a heavy metal band, a hard rock band, from your mind. I'm willing to do the experiment. You know, I'll be the rat in your maze. Okay, so this is a pot-like question. If they weren't Van Halen, mm-hmm. what other name could possibly work? If you had to give them a name that wasn't Van Halen, Mammoth is the is a good one, but that, I think that was the band that Michael Anthony was in. Michael Anthony was in a band called Snake, and then I think there was another band called Mammoth that was kind of rising around the same time, so they didn't want to you know be butting heads in that regard. Okay. And then they also had this great you know last name they could back up on, but. Um, it would have to be that the broken combs thing is funny because that's like 
elementary school, the Trojan ru- uh, Rubber Company, obviously. <laughs> I think they had to change front. They had to get away from the Trojan Rubber Company because at that time they were in middle school and getting into junior high and playing dances. And oh, okay. No school is going to book a group of guys called the Trojan Rubber Company to play their dance. I didn't realize they were actually that young. Yeah. Like, that's fairly sophisticated then if they were that young when they came up with that it totally is and if you and me were in sixth grade and starting a band we probably would name ourselves magnum i I had a band in high school that had a thousand more stupid names than that right immature stupid names than that yeah uh the other thing i read on wikipedia which i did not know about van halen is that they are responsible for the technical writers uh getting that level of um Mm -hmm. precision in particular the no brown M&Ms in the bowl the, controversy. The world famous uh, story that has been lampooned on so many different occasions. One of my favorite instances is in Wayne's World 2 where the, uh, the, the, the famous roadie, uh, Del Griffith, he, uh, he had that rider in there. And the reason why they had it in there, it sounds like this diva rock band. Right. Like, no brown M&Ms, we're going to riot. And they did riot. It was a show in Kansas City and they were going to... They, they, they rioted and they did not play the show. And the reason why David Lee Roth, of course, is the guy that injected this into their rider is because if a if a promoter or a club venue missed that in yeah. the rider, what else did they miss? Because this isn't just any band. This isn't Simon and Garfunkel who need two chairs, two mics, and some <laughs> acoustic equipment. This is Van Halen. In the early 80s, when they have this elaborate light show, yeah. a lot of, of cameras and rigs and all this stuff that gets very heavy. And so if you, for instance, don't have the flooring ability to hold all that, to withstand all that, you're going to end up with an accident and lawsuit on your hands. Right, people are going to die. What ended up happening is that at that same venue, a few years later, The Who played a show, and some people ended up dying. Oh, God. Because And, and I don't know if it was the same... You know, failure of equipment that was worrisome to Van Halen, but that is one of those things where they saw that they missed the brown M and M's in that venue. Then later on, that venue was, you know, at least partially responsible for some people losing their lives. Oh wow, cool, yeah. cool. So if you were going to have a writer for doing comedy, <laughs> and you had to come up with like a ridiculous thing to make sure that like your mic was grounded, you're not going to be electrocuted. Right, right. What ridiculous thing would you put in your writer? It would, well, it would have to be something that you actually want to utilize, but you don't necessarily <laughs> need, because I'm sure the band liked munching on m and yeah. so I would throw baby carrots. I need baby carrots <laughs> in every show, and the reason why that's all, well, it, it's a lot of reasons. One, you know, you want to maintain your great vision, yeah. and also <laughs> because if they give you just normal carrots, I, I'm, I'm not going on that oh, yeah. night. I said, the fuck am I, Bugs Bunny? No. Baby carrots, yeah. yeah. It, it, baby carrots aren't actual baby carrots. They're just sliced up normal carrots. Yeah. So slice up the normal carrots, put them in a bowl, and that's what I want, or else I am not telling dick jokes at your stage tonight, because I don't know what else you miss, you know? It's not safe. Maybe yeah. maybe it, I don't see any baby carrots, and I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Then I walk on stage, and the mic isn't plugged in. I don't trust you unless there's baby carrots in a bowl, and the bowl must be blue. This is great. I, I think you should absolutely create this writer, the no baby carrots, no dick jokes <laughs> it actually happened like i'll do baby if there's no baby carrots i'll still go on stage yeah but you're getting none of my quality dick jokes you only get clean relationship stuff <laughs> the worst threat you can give a comedy club only clean relationship stuff especially for the friday late uh if van halen had a movie like the beatles that you mentioned earlier had hard day's night right that's helped i think in some people's minds solidify them 
What would Van Halen's movie be? Did they ever make a movie? They never made a movie. Um, David Lee Roth did have access to a video camera. And, <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons why he was uh, leaving the band or starting to look to, you know, perceived greener pastures in 1984-85 is that he had a film deal in development with his producing partner, Peter Angelus. They had it at CBS, and then CBS had a huge shakeup after Roth left Van Halen. And one of the things that got lost in that shuffle, because any new exec comes in, they want their ideas. Right. And so they, they scrapped a lot of the old stuff. One of those was this, I think it was a three-picture deal that Roth had uh, at CBS. And they got rid of it probably for the best, for everybody involved, including yeah. David Lee Roth, though he couldn't see it at the time. He made some backyard barbecue, Dave's, you know, Uncle Dave's backyard barbecue in the 90s. And it's just this ridiculous thing that makes no <laughs> sense with a lot of chimps and little people running around in suits and you know girls in bikinis and he's grilling hey i'm uncle dave or whatever the hell it is van halen never <laughs> made it like the ultimate uncle dave yeah i know the ultimate creepy uncle dave. i know yeah. I, I would you know what's funny is that if i could have come up with a title for the van halen movie like like the biopic yeah it would have been everybody wants some okay but now richard linklater took that for his movie <laughs> which is a very good movie based on the early night or the early 80s uh college baseball uh, scene. Okay. It, you know, them partying in a school, and obviously Van Halen is an intricate part of any early 80s party you're going to throw at college. Um, so now we got to come up with a backup name. It would have to be from the Roth era. The fans would write if you called the movie Dreams, or you called the movie <laughs> When It's Love, or Pound Cake. So um, I think you would have to go with Jump. I think they might riot because that's, you know, the more synth song. Yeah. Romeo Delight is not a bad option. No, that sounds like it's going to be a sequel to Boogie Nights. <laughs> Romeo Delight, that's exactly what it sounds like. And in timeline, it would make sense, too. Yeah. And to be honest, Romeo Delight is the song where, again, if, if the Independence Day aliens came down and they said, you got to give me one song that represents everything about that era of Van Halen, it would be Romeo Delight, okay. which is a song all about, I'm taking whiskey to the party tonight. I'm not looking to get in a fight. I'm looking for somebody to hook up with. That doesn't happen. I don't find somebody to squeeze. Bring it on, man. That's what that <laughs> That's what that song was. It's got that smashing guitar riff. It's a great, underrated early Van Halen tune. Okay, so this this you mentioned a couple things that makes me think of this. Oh, Unchained. No, never mind. My, okay. my Van Halen movie is called Unchained. Go oh, on. yeah, that's Sorry. great. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love it. Unchained, and they're running around with their grandpa like the Beatles do in Hard Day's Night. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, they were heavier to begin with. Mm -hmm. Then they did some more uh, top 40-ish acceptable stuff, right, with Sammy Hagar. Do fans feel like they wimped out? Totally. Okay. Um, I, I myself don't. I feel like it was more of an evolution than it yeah. was wimping out. I think that there's something about when you look at the way the David Lee Ross solo trajectory went, where it's, I'm just going to keep on being party guy Dave, even as everybody else around me and my peers are starting to do different things. Yeah. I'm going to try to be that guy at the party where everybody's been to that party where it's like, oh, dude, this is a great, great party. It's kicking ass. And then, you know, your friend's like, all right, I got to go see you tomorrow. And then there's always like three guys left. They're just drinking beer at 5 a.m. <laughs> like, dude, let's keep on raging, man. And that was kind of that was kind of Roth, whereas Van Halen evolved because they had to. And they yeah. did have some fresh energy with Sammy Hagar, which I think was a huge benefit to the way the band sounded. Now, look, could we have gotten another great album or maybe two out of a David Lee Roth, uh, Eddie Van Halen happy friendship? We sure could have. Yeah. And actually, Roth wrote some of the songs that you hear okay. on the first album with Hagar, 5150. But I, you know, I, I think fans are split. A lot of people love Van Hagar more than they love Van Halen. Okay. Um, but 
most fans will say that they got a little softer, they got intense with their sensitive side, but those that doesn't mean those songs are bad. Yeah. When I want to rock out and I'm at a party, I'm not going to play Feel So Good. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to necessarily play Cabo Wabo, <laughs> but... Like when it's hugging love, it out with the devil, yeah. <laughs> Feeling with the devil. Those those are some really good songs, man. Yeah. I, I mean, even even there are hard rock songs. They're just not the ones that maybe were used to sell that era as much as like Top of the World is a happier tune. Yeah. But you put on for unlawful carnal knowledge. You listen to Pound Cake. You listen to uh, you listen to even something like like Run Around or Judgment Day. It, it's a huge huge metal sounding riff so there's okay. a lot of great stuff in van in that i think people have written off and haven't investigated as much as they should okay cool going back to the 70s do you think bringing your two loves together mm-hmm. do you think the star wars holiday special would have been better or worse if van halen were involved <laughs> it would have been infinitely better and more worse at the same time because if there's one thing that could break up a bunch of wookies talking for 15 minutes it would be diamond dave crashing the party hey, somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way <laughs> You can totally see Lumpy That's calling right. up his uh, his porn. With It'd be a amazing. Bit of Van Halen. Eddie writes some like long instrumental for the death of whatever Ewok passes away in Caravan of Courage. Like he just writes a funeral scene. Awesome, awesome. Uh, if someone listened to nothing but Van Halen mm-hmm. for like a full week, what would that do to them? I think it would uh, it would hurt their eardrums a little bit. Uh, it would make them a lot cooler. It would make them feel lighter. The, the the world would not seem as heavy and as downtrodden as it can be made out to be in whatever time period you're in. But if you take today, 2016, when you can go on social media and write something as innocent as you want and people are going to attack you. There's so much negativity yeah. in today's world, whether it's from you know the powers that be or it's just the way that the media wants to spin it. If you just take a step back and you just look out onto an ocean or you just hang out at a bar and you play Van Halen, you're going to feel more positive. Your, okay. your, your energy is going to change. And that's the thing. Like, like Guns N' Roses has spurts when they can do that. There's a lot of bands that yeah. will do that to you. But it's just nobody quite gets that feeling of levity that I feel when I listen to Van Halen. When I'm in a bad mood, they will pick me up. When I'm in a yeah. good mood, they'll make me soar even further. That makes a lot of sense to me, because when I think of Van Halen, the word bright comes to mind. It's so sunshiny, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, besides the obvious, besides these over-the-top lead singers and this amazing virtuoso on guitar, these, the background vocals that they have, which is mostly Michael Anthony's voice, okay, and then Eddie pitching in there too, that sunshiny sound is, when you hear them say, dance, dance, dance the night, (laughs) it just makes you so happy. Yeah. It's just it's just pure sunshine. It's like it's it's like the sun that's scooping two scoops of raisins into. <laughs> they are the they are the providers of Van Halen provides the raisins in everybody's Oprah. Right, they are the hard fucking raisin bran. Right, <laughs> horns out raisin bran. <laughs> that's what they didn't show you in the thirty second TV spot. Is the sun throws away those two scoops and he puts up devil horns. <laughs> And he's like, look at all the people here tonight. Yeah. Cool. So going forward, 
the band is is back together again now, an iteration of it. Yeah. So so the quick uh, uh, the, the circumvented history of Van Halen, which is funny because like every time I really got back into Van Halen is when the band personally was going through the worst inner turmoil <laughs> of their career. Like when I finally decided on Van Halen as my favorite band of all time and possibly my favorite thing in life is when Eddie was at his low point in the early 2000s. Okay. They briefly came up for water with the uh, they reunited with Hagar and and Michael Anthony. So that okay. lineup was back. They did a greatest hits album in 2004 where they had three new tracks oh nice none of which really popped i like listening to one a lot called it's about time i think it's a really kick-ass track and then they toured and eddie just couldn't get clean okay um and it was becoming noticeable which for him means he's just a mere mortal on stage playing guitar (laughs) and then they went underground for a little bit eddie really got the help he needed 2006 and 2007 is when you first heard rumblings of david lee roth coming back in the band with the caveat that Michael Anthony, the original bass player who was with them in all three lead singer incarnations, he was out of the band. Now, there were some Uh rumors that it was Eddie was pissed off at him because he didn't go to go to the Van Halen's mom's funeral. Just other things where it just could be some drunken thing where it's like, oh, man, Ellis is pissed at Scrimshaw. (laughs) Scrimshaw peed in his mouth and he was asleep at that party. And it's like, I don't know if you ever did that, but I'm just going to hold that against you for the rest of our lives. And it's a hatchet I really hope they could bury. The bright side of that, though, is that Eddie's son, Wolfgang, who is an amazing musician, now plays bass in the band. And people say, oh, man, I want to see the classic lineup, as do I. If Wolfgang Van Halen wasn't the kid he was and wasn't the guy pushing his dad to stay sober, right. Eddie Van Halen would be dead right now. Okay, is so it's my like, and on bass, belief. my sponsor and child. That's exactly what it was. Nice. And I think that Eddie probably fell off the wagon a little bit during that first tour. Because okay. he's just, he's a nervous guy. So he goes on stage and he sees, you know, 15,000 people that haven't seen him and David Lee Roth together in 25 years. Your knees are going to get a little wobbly. Yeah, yeah. And so I think he fell off the wagon a little bit. They took a break from that tour, went back on, and then it's been pretty much sunshine and roses ever since. I saw them three times on that tour. And okay. that was the first time I'd ever seen Van Halen. Wow. Oh, wow. It was a transcendental experience. <laughs> and yes, I was hammered. It was... <laughs> well, you should be. Right? It was amazing. And then they toured again in uh, in 2012 to uh, you know tour on the release of their first studio album since 1984 with Roth, A Different Kind of Truth. And then uh, most recently, they did a Greatest Hits and a live uh, album celebration where they went you know pretty much around the world. And that was the first time that Van Halen had played the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, wow. And I got to see them play the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, and nice. it was... Uh, it was awesome. And that's with David Lee Roth. That's with David Lee Roth. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, and it's funny that, you know, because people aren't as in tune into the Van Halen world as I am. They don't go on VHND.com every day like I do, which is a great <laughs> site, by the way, for all the latest Van Halen goings on and a lot of, like, celebration of history yeah. and stuff. Um, people are like, oh, David Lee Roth's in the band. I'm like, he's been in the band for the last three tours. They had, <laughs> they had the new album come out. Come on. Yeah. Just reading the Wikipedia. Like, I always read the Wikipedia for the whole subject of what I'm talking about. And sometimes right. it's much longer. And as soon well, as we got Ken into like, Ken self-loathing episode, I imagine that was a little bit of a... That was a hard Wikipedia article. Uh, but this was funny with the number of times that Hagar was out mm-hmm. and Roth is in. Oh, yeah. now they're on tour together. Like, what yeah. the... I mean, that's that's the real, uh, it, it's what I hope never becomes Van Halen's legacy. And I think it's a testament to the strength of the music that yeah. 
a hundred years from now, people are going to talk about this thing, rock and roll, and maybe it'll still be going on in some iteration. Maybe there won't be a world anymore. Maybe <laughs> we'll be eating Twinkies, having survived the apocalypse. Right. But you're going to talk about Van Halen, and I promise you, the first thing people are going to say is not, oh, they could never keep a lead singer. Oh, look at how silly the spandex look. It's going to be the music, because that music, yeah. unlike so many other bands from those various eras, it still holds up and it still sounds as fresh as it did way back then. You put on something like uh, Ain't Talking About Love or you put on I'm the One from their very first album and you listen to it today and the energy just spills out of the speakers. Yeah. And like I said before, it just brings a positive force for good into your life. Cool, cool. So, And it kicks ass. <laughs> Can't forget that part. And it kicks ass. It's, it's like a Jedi talking about the Force. I'm like, oh, no, the Force is all good, and it's great, it's about and it's being great. in touch. And then, you know, in, in the back of Yoda's head, he's like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know? Push people over <laughs> railings I can with my mind. Yeah. Just, yeah. Many flips I can do. <laughs> do you like Van Halen? Sure. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. The only thing I can tell you about Van Halen was I remember Eddie Van Halen from my youth, who was very, very cute, and he married Valerie Bertinelli, who was also very cute. They have a son who has an odd first name. I think it was Wolfgang Van Halen, which is a mouthful. The first time I heard Van Halen, my friend's older sister, her spring break plans to Jamaica had been canceled because of a hurricane. So they were still just hanging out in our apartment in New York, a bunch of older girls, and they just had like a mountain of weed that they were somehow going to bring to Jamaica, which doesn't even make any sense. But so there they were. They were listening to Van Halen and my friend and I, we just kind of like snuck into their room and got to sort of hang out. After that, I don't remember a lot, but. So should old rockers just, uh, should they retire or should they keep playing until they die? Step aside, let the others come in. Otherwise, we'd still be listening to Glenn Miller right now. God forbid. God forbid. I think they should play till they die because I honestly prefer old school rock, that hardcore, great, like rock and roll voices like Robert Plant, Sammy Hagar, all those guys. They were just amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite Van Halen song? Uh, higher and higher. Can you sing a little bit of it? Oh. Get higher and higher, straight up we'll climb. So, favorite song? Uh, dance. Can you sing some of it? Absolutely not. Do they have different songs? <laughs> I they just had that one song with the guitar solo. You know sing the, the guitar solo. Oh yeah, just it went on and on and on, just like that. Yeah, jump. Yeah, really good. A little bit of it. I have the worst voice. Go ahead and jump, jump. That's all I can remember. All right, we're gonna move on to our how obsessed are you questions. Oh great, okay. Do you think about Van Halen every day? Oh absolutely. Yes. You check the website. Every day. I check the website virtually every day. If I don't check the website every day, then I at least think about them, and I probably listen to multiple songs every day. And if there was an apocalypse, you would just 
sing to yourself. That's what if, I'm... If necessary. I'm grabbing the records, and if they <laughs> melt onto my arms, so be it. Do you have them on vinyl? I have some of the vinyl. I'm, okay. I'm working on the collection right now. My buddy, nice. uh, who's a, he, he's, uh, he's a really big rocker, and he's a funny comic, Dean Del Rey, gave me uh, a 5150 vinyl album. Oh, nice. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is the collector's... I should collect more of these. So <laughs> it's, it's a work in progress. Okay, so you're actively collecting, too. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Have you ever had a dream about Van Halen? I have had dreams about Van Halen. The one Multiple. that, like, I I I remembered vividly was a dream that they were doing a a pay per view comeback tour, and uh, and it was it was after I, th- I think it was after Eddie had gotten back together with Dave already, but it was this pay per view event, and Dave was going to be back in the band for the first time, and it was live on pay per view. And I remember being so nervous watching it, and it was a weird intro. It wasn't like that big intro. They yeah. all came out and they had and they had robes on, <laughs> and then something happened in there. And I'm like, oh, it sounds like there sounds like there's a sound mess up or something. I'm like, oh no, no, guys, fix this. And then something else happened. I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna bring Sammy Hagar on stage to be with David Lee Roth for the very first time. Could this really be happening? Then I woke up. So it was glorious by the end. It right? ended up being glorious. It was something where they were kind of roping open the fans. Because Roth is always famous as saying, you know, I don't share the stage with anyone. And, you know, Sammy Hagar has to sing my songs every night. I yeah. never sing a Sammy Hagar song. <laughs> he, has, he wants nothing to do with being on stage with Sammy Hagar. But I had a dream that they were going to make that happen. I like that you had a stress dream that ended happy about oh, Van Halen. Dude. It's perfect. That's the one thing about having a band with that, with that much history. And I'm sure you, you feel it with, with Guns N' Roses. Like, have you seen them on this tour yet? Uh, no, I'm going to in a couple of weeks. Um, I am very jealous of you. <laughs> and you're going to have that feeling where it's like, oh, please be good. Don't, Don't suck. Yeah. Don't let me down. Yeah. And I've had that feeling. I had that feeling. That's probably the reason why I had to medicate so heavily <laughs> before the first time I ever saw them live. Yeah. It's just, you're just nervous nervous that all these other people who you know are big fans of the band too but it's like no guys it's it's like oh my dog can talk but only around me you want to show that trick off to everybody else <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's that feeling of nerves that, that would build up and that's uh, was released i guess in the dream a little bit cool yeah that makes sense to me because i if they screwed up i wouldn't care that much for myself mm-hmm. as somebody who is taking in the concert right right but i don't want to be around the judgment of other people yeah. We're all on that, like, do they still have it? And like, I don't care if they still have it. Honestly, right. if they screw up, that'll be kind of entertaining and memorable. Right. They I mean, don't screw up on the album, and I can listen to that any no. damn time. And, and us hardcore fans can talk and laugh about it, but then yeah. just casual people in the office by the water cooler the next day, it's like, uh, you hear Axel fell off stage? Pfft, what a bunch of losers. It's like, you guys have no concept yeah. of what you're talking about right now. Yeah, so. you get up there and do that and try right. not to fall off stage. Stages are hard to stay on. <laughs> <laughs> If you had a child, would you name him or her after a member of Van Halen? I would push very hard uh, for Edward. Okay. My middle name is Edward, luckily. Yeah. And my dad's middle name is Edward, too. Okay. And we're lucky that we just happen to share it with <laughs> the greatest guitar player that ever lived. So I, I would push very hard for Edward. And if I had two boys, I would push hard for Luke and for Edward. Okay. Would you uh, find a way to adopt a female name out of a Van Halen name for a daughter? Uh, we could go Alexis. Uh, we could go um, uh, Michaela. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is that my nephew is named uh, is named Sam. Oh, okay. His name's Samuel. So we we have a Sammy in the family already. So I wouldn't be able to take Sammy. Anymore. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I think I would. I would suggest Alexis. It would get shot down overnight. <laughs> Vanessa is not a bad. Oh one. yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't just name a child their whole first name, David Lee Roth. Would you uh, like David Lee just Roth. all three together? Like this that's is, your name, David Lee Roth. This is David Lee Roth, Julius Ellis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I would do that, 
But you never know. Okay. I, I mean, you never know. When, when I was in college, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we were thinking about getting a cat. We never did. But if we got a cat, we were going to name it Halen. Nice. So. And now, why didn't you include Van? Just out of respect of like. I just think Halen sounds sounds better as far as a pet name goes. Yeah. And it's a, it adds a little bit of mystery as to why it's called Halen. Yeah. Like, Halen is also, if you name a boy Halen, actually. Oh, yeah. That's going to be the new. Remember how Dylan was like the coolest name a kid could have? Yeah. And Zachary was the coolest kid? Halen might be that new name. Oh, yeah. You could totally rule Good the name, name game with, uh, with Halen. <laughs> Would you confirm or reject a Supreme Court justice nominee based on their opinion of Van Halen? Um, I, it goes back to that argument where people love George W. Bush because like, oh, it's just guy you want to have a beer with. Like, I don't want to have a beer with the leader of the free world. I want him to run the, <laughs> yeah, you know, world good. But um, I, if you had it in their power and they're just like. I hate Van Halen. I'm gonna make important decisions about the nation. I, I gotta be for the honest. The rest of my life, you can still you, you can still be a okay. Supreme Court justice. Okay. I, I don't want to just be a blind like, oh no, you <laughs> idiot. Like, like I actually, I don't want you listening to too much Van Halen. If you're a Supreme Court justice, yeah, you should. Like, right. <laughs> I find you guilty because you didn't bring Jack Daniels into the room. Like, uh, easy guy. Yeah, I'm just picturing the justice with yeah, the booze under the right. robe and the disc man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't listening. I was listening to jump in my ear. Here. Uh, would you still listen to Van Halen if Hitler was their lead singer? Ooh, that's a great question. That's one of the, the, the fears that you have with any band that you love. Like, if yeah. you get Van Halen tattooed on you somewhere in the body and then like dave goes and turns into bill cosby it's like it, yeah oh well yeah it is just a fear of liking any person right i now. mean i i would still here's the thing the, the, the out that i have is that i would love eddie and i okay. would love alex and i would love mikey um but i would find a way to which you can actually do on youtube just like if you want to practice your singing style or whatever you can listen to just the the instrumental tracks. oh cool so i would drive around just jam the instrumental tracks okay and i would be i would provide my own voice in the car <laughs> which i tend to do sometimes anyway so nice so you would re- you would replace hitler as a i would singer. i would replace adolf hitler and i think i do a pretty good job. i think so i think so i think you have a better voice than hitler. look at all the people here tonight <laughs> <laughs> Uh, jump! <laughs> I said jump. <laughs> I'd listen to it once, and then I'd feel real guilty, and then I'd never listen to it again. Would you break up with someone who hated Van Halen? If they hated Van Halen, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they couldn't stand it, like you know, I, I've had girlfriends that don't don't get my obsession, which I yeah. totally understand. I understand that this might be taking something a little too far. Okay, but if you hate Van Halen, I can't. I can't do it. Right. It's fundamental enough that you need somebody to understand it. Yeah. I mean, I look at my entire life like it's a it's a party and everybody's invited. But if you don't like the music at the party, it's got to be an all-inclusive experience. Right. I don't want to date somebody and have them. If you want to hate my sports teams, good, because that means you're that into sports. Yeah. But if you hate Van Halen, it might mean you hate fun and you hate all things <laughs> good in life and I, I just can't have that that's totally understandable because yeah. if i ask people would you break up with someone who hated fun i think most people would say yes yeah and, and most people have had that that partner <laughs> in their life when you didn't realize it at first it's like oh you hate fun you hate fun this doesn't work well <laughs> all right this is the final how obsessed are you question if you couldn't listen to van halen without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch would you still listen to van halen oh yeah man yeah i mean i i have no desire you asked me about the kids thing earlier i have no desire to reproduce in my okay. life i do not want kids <laughs> This is practically a, you know, three to nine inch, depending on how good of a day I'm having, punching bag. So get in there and just level the hell out of it. Because if it means I get to play, it's all worth it. So it's kind of a bonus of like, 
I'm doing this. I get to keep listening to Van Halen. This is if I take more and more punches, then I don't need to worry about kids. <laughs> Every time I listen to Beautiful Girls, my sperm count goes down. That is a win-win, Mr. Scrimshaw. Eventually, it'll get numb, and I won't yeah. have to worry about it anymore. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when I said three to nine inches, I skew towards the former. Oh, yes, I understand. Of course. Of course. You know, That's understood. As much as I listen to Van Halen, I know I'm not one of those guys, and I'm not allowed to stuff my groin. So, yeah, we're, you're playing with a very normal weight here. Excellent. Excellent. Good to know. Uh, and I will give you some baby carrots for making that dick joke. Oh, thank you. I mean, I walked in here, and I didn't <laughs> see no any, baby so carrots. I got a little nervous. It's my bad. It's my bad. <laughs> uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with Van Halen? Uh, wow. <laughs> that's that's great. I I I love doing the uh, you know like I just I love air guitaring to them, okay. and I will find myself doing it around the house. It would be like some riff. Like I'll catch myself sometimes throwing in more Eddieisms than are even there. <laughs> like when I do, ain't talking about love. Just starts out boom 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 boom, but but I do boom 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 boom. I throw in a little extra flair there, so you know. I think That's most great. people describing Van Halen would, would go with that, but no, I, I go with the deep whammy bar dive. Yeah. Wow. Nice. So you're yeah. a whammy bar man, not a finger tapping man. Oh, yeah. Well, I love the finger tapping too, but it's uh, quite impressive. I know I wouldn't be able to do the finger tap justice. Okay. So. Fair enough. Uh, I have been rating people's obsessions. Uh, the number is seven, and then I've been giving them a little flavor. Uh, so I will call it uh, seven devils for running with. So I think you are. Six out of seven devils oh, obsessed man. with Van Halen. I, I feel I feel like I've been I've been judged by a Supreme Court justice <laughs> I would want up there because if you don't listen to Van Halen, you got to at least listen to Guns N' Roses. Yeah, if you're going to be making decisions that influence this great country of ours. <laughs> um, I I'm actually happy with that score. Okay, because anybody that's seven out of seven. I start to wonder about other aspects of your life, right? A little bit. Like I never want to be the guy that only listens to Van Halen. Yeah. Like if you want to have a party and you want to put on Aerosmith, I'm totally cool with that, you know? Yeah. It's still going to be I still want the same genre. And I am kind of a dick about music sometimes. Like if it's not classic rock, I, I can deal with it for a little bit, but throw me a bone here too. Okay. You know, throw me a freaking bone here like <laughs> give me some Van Halen and I'm fine. You don't have to give it to me all night, but give me a few songs, please. Yeah, yeah, a great Van Halen song. You don't have to give it to me all night. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. No, you you seem very and this makes sense to me because you spend a lot of time talking about things that you like right. professionally, so you know how to manage that. I truly like it a lot, but I'm also being like uh, professional and presentational about it. So yeah. it makes sense to me that you understand your obsession. You know the whys of it and how far you can push it and all that. When my obsession gets gets very dangerous is when I'm uh, exercising, when okay. um, w- when I'm running on a treadmill. Because it to the untrained eye, Joseph, it might look <laughs> like I'm just a guy at a gym running on a treadmill. But to me, I am actually the lead guitar player in a cover band that is primarily 1980s focused and we're playing in a little but it's it's like a cool you know atlantic city style dive bar yeah but it's a good house it's like a good room to see a cover band in so there's like three four hundred people capacity in there and man we are taking over the strip and we're packing it in there's a van halen heavy <laughs> dose i'll throw some guns and roses on there i'll throw some journey on there i do glory days for the edge like i've thought a lot about this if i could have any job in the world that is not what i currently do or play center field it would be a lead guitar 
guitar player in a cover band because writing my own stuff is way too hard. Yeah. Just let me rock out to the hits that everybody knows and loves. Oh, that is awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, do you want to plug yourself where people can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, sure. You can just uh, follow me on Twitter at Mark Ellis Live. It used to be a more Van Halen centric handle I had. Yeah, it was the um, 5150. 5150 right? was involved in it. And then my, my thought was, you know what? I want to get my full name in there. Yeah. And I also, if I ever get to hang out with like Wolfgang Van Halen or I get to meet Eddie, I don't want them to go follow me on Twitter and say, oh, this guy's just a nerdy <laughs> fan. Like, I want them to think that I'm more well-rounded in right. life than I am and that I'm not that obsessed with these guys, even though secretly I really am. And right. And probably would find this podcast and it would out me. Right, because so. like if I if I met Axl Rose, which would be really weird, because like I love the band and I but I know Axl is a little off his rocker, and that's <laughs> one of the reasons I like him. But if I met him, I would like to be able to give my Twitter handle and say, "Oh, it's at Joseph Scrimshaw, not at Super Axl yeah. Number One Fan." It's it, it, it's a smart <laughs> play, and it leads to you and Axl being best friends one day down the road. Yep. You and Axl, me and Eddie, that. we'll play two on two pickup ball, and it'll be a great sunshiny day in yeah. southern california strange strange imperfect yeah. axel you know i wanted to ask you though uh before we leave where because i know you're you're a gnr guy yeah. where does van halen rank in your pantheon of, of favorite hard rock bands i mean i mean are they do they make a dent for you are they in your top 10 your top 20 they do better now after i talk to you yeah. oh good they're yeah. i i feel bad saying this but they're pretty low for me that's and know. I feel better now. So the door's this way. The door's this way, yeah. <laughs> feel free to leave. I'm sorry we can't be friends anymore. It was a good run. No, I I had always thought of the brightness. I had been confused by the brightness. Yeah. Because to me, uh, hard rock was a little bit about that sort of uh, anger. More and from like, the, the Black Sabbath, you know, yeah. template than something that's a little more, you know... Sunshiny, I think, is is the wrong word for them, but I understand like the uh, the, the the tooth metal aspect of it, where yeah. we're just on stage and smiling all the time and just trying to get laid. Yeah, because you know? a lot of bands saw what Van Halen was doing, had that same thought, and are like, "Oh, I'm gonna go try to get on stage and get laid now." And none yeah. of them did it as well as Van Halen. No, but some people took they like they just took that that cheapest and easiest way to mass produce something, and are like, "Oh, I'll make the the knockoff version of this." Yeah, and it lost. In the process, they lost the essence of what that band was doing. You, Yeah, so you've communicated it to me as a whole package. Yeah. And when I say bright, I, I mean also just the sound, mm-hmm. that it's crisp. There's very rarely, like, uh, feedback or distortion. And I just feel like it is, it's it's tight and crisp and, like, the literal brightness knob on right. a guitar amp right. is turned up. And I have always gravitated towards, like, bassier bluesier stuff sure, so like I, sure. the, like I like Van Halen's earlier stuff mm-hmm. but like Jump never really like spoke to me just on an almost aesthetic level right right but now you are communicating a whole package of like that's the whole that's not a flaw that's the whole fucking point oh yeah which I mean, makes me want to go back and re-listen we're both of a certain age to where I could still I wouldn't feel horrible burning you a CD if yeah. that was the case but I could also <laughs> just send you like 10 songs from both eras okay that you could put on and I think it's like oh yeah this kicks I mean if you don't like Sammy Hagar it, it, it's not nothing's gonna sell you on that because yeah. he is he is the lead singer and you can tell he's the guy on these songs but yeah there's some real kick-ass tracks with that dude cool too, yeah so. i would love that i would yeah. happily take a 21st century mixtape <laughs> yeah. yay it's, it's getting to the point now with retro stuff where i actually could make you 
a mix cassette an actual tape. mix cassette tape. Like in 2012, yeah. I couldn't have been able to do that. Now I can run out to a me, but actually get a tape player that can do that. Yeah. So it's oh, it's awesome. Crazy the way cycles work, but after all these cycles are broken and all the wheels have fallen off the bicycles, you're still gonna be able to party with bands like Guns N' Roses and Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So just final questions. They don't have anything to do with their your obsession, but they can if you want. <laughs> if there was a video game based on your life, what would the gameplay be like? Uh, it definitely be a, a side scroller. Okay. Um, it, you know, obstacles that you have to jump over, uh, power ups that you could get. One of the key ones being you, you, you jump into like a question mark <laughs> and Eddie's guitar would come out and you'd grab it and you would be able to fly for a little bit or you'd be okay. invincible. So I mean, I, I think a lot of Super Mario Brothers, I named my first album in stand up Get to the Castle because it's just such okay. a Mario way that I look at life. Yeah. That, that's how I, I process things. Like, here's the challenge. I need to get over it. You you know when you were like playing Mario you had to like jump over something so you wouldn't die you'd like run back the other way and then and then like get that running going like yeah. you get ahead of steam I'm kind of like that yeah. and then when I do get to the castle at the end of every level I need like a five minute break okay like I need to I need to take some time <laughs> off I like that. So it would be like, I think it's Super Mario Brothers 3 where you get the raccoon suit or whatever? Be, Van Halen is definitely the raccoon suit <laughs> in the video game that is Mark Ellis, yeah. Nice. If you were a were person and once a month you had to turn into a dog or a cat... Which would you want to turn into? Oh, man, that's a tough question because I've become more of a dog person than I was in my 20s. Um, but I think I would turn into a cat because that's more my personality where I don't really love people. Okay. I think dogs see people and they're like, oh, hey, be my friend. Cats are like, who the fuck? I, I'm just going to go <laughs> sleep. Like, that's what I want to do when, when I don't have to be around people there's uh-huh. like a certain core group of which you're one of that like yeah i can hang out and just chill and have yeah. a beer with these guys or girls and just like you know and i feel comfortable in my own skin yeah but most of the time like when i'm done at the office or when i'm off stage or when i'm done doing a meet and greet or something i just want to be by myself yeah and that's what a cat is so okay. i would be pretty much note for note like garfield <laughs> you know right down to the lasagna yeah, that would be weird if once a month you turned into Garfield and you'd just be praying that the lunar cycle lines up, that it's not on a Monday. Because you fucking hate Mondays. That's right, dude. And I don't have John or Odie there to back me up. Like, it's just me. It's just you and your desire for lasagna. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast. What is happiness? Uh, happiness, uh, despite John Lennon's uh, answer, it's not a warm gun. I think it is... Uh, happiness is... A, it's nothing physical. It's nothing that brings you uh, pleasure in a physical stimulation realm. It's something, it's, it's a feeling that you get. It is that feeling of weightlessness, of levity, that you could be 500 pounds and you could still feel that floating on air feeling of happiness yeah. because you just feel like all the weight of the world has been lifted on you. Right. I think that the world and you know will bring a feeling of heaviness to you. And whatever way that we humans can get that off of us yeah. in a spiritual sense is vital to our success and our matriculation and our future as a race. So yeah. on the individual, that means you find what makes that feeling inside of you, whether it's just laying down and chilling out and listening to Zen music for an hour or it's hanging out with your buddies on a Friday night on the Comedy Store porch and asking the bartender to turn up the Van Halen. <laughs> that's what it is. And that's one of the avenues that I use to get that feeling. Right. And I can get that feeling with other bands, but it's just never happened on the consistent basis like it does. There's just something about relief, yeah, about um, being in a safe place and feeling light. Yeah. It is what Van Halen is. 
like you first discovered Lost in the Woods in your car. I I'm like I don't need to worry about this, man. I got Van Halen. It didn't matter, man. I yeah. mean, I was losing sunlight. I was running out of <laughs> gas, and then Dreams comes on, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get higher and higher. This feels great." <laughs> that is a great answer. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, dude, I, I'm thrilled to be talking to you about this. I hope that you know I, I'm not a I'm not a prophet, Joseph. I just go <laughs> door to door. I'm doing three other podcasts in this unit right now, and I just want to spread the good gospel of Van Halen from person to person. You don't have to leave it loving. I just yeah. hope that you leave this. You yourself, Joseph Scrimshaw, and the listener, just everything you've heard about Van Halen, all the infighting, all yeah. the, the silly smiling on stage, just listen to the music and tell me it doesn't make you happy and I'll go away. <laughs> that is great. Thank you very much. Van Halen should be paying me. To yeah, you really. Yeah, you've opened my crusty, angry, hard rock heart to let the Van Halen in. So oh, thank you so much for just, that. Just let it in, and I swear it's going to be a positive force in your life. Thank you so much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Wow.